Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today's topic, we're talking about house flipping versus land flipping. And I'm your host, Dan Rapke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. I wanted to start this. We This was one of our first episodes ever that we did, Ron. House yeah, flipping versus land flipping. And not everyone in the community is coming from house flipping now. It's a lot of wholesaling and things like that. But there's still, house flipping is a huge community. And a lot of people still want to get into it. And it just brings it back to like, it, it teaches us how good land is. Like how good we really have it in the industry. And when today's topic, we're going to talk. And obviously, house flipping has a lot of pros. There's been around a long time. It's very sustainable. We're going to talk about both sides. But before we start, I do want to just touch base. Ron and I obviously are land investors. We own Land Investing Online. We own AppKeyLand.com. But we also real estate invest. And we have, I own a mobile home park and we own salon and commercial properties and apartments. So we try to be as unbiased as possible when when kind of going through this because they do have their pros and cons. For sure. Just like anything. Everything has its pros and cons. We saw the opportunity in land a couple of years ago. That's why we're still in it today. Um, but yeah, we, we have a lot of people who come from house flipping. There's a lot of people who are house flipping at the same time as doing land flipping. So I think it's gonna be a good episode. Real quick guys, you know that I don't run any ads on this. So the only ask I can ever have with you guys is to help me spread the word so that we can help more real estate entrepreneurs make more money, help feed their families and help achieve more freedom in their life. The only way we can do this is if you can rate review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is if you could just leave a review, it would take only 10 seconds. It would mean the world to Ron and I, but more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. Let's get into it. And let's start with house flipping. I just want to talk about some of the pros and cons. And I, I'm going to start with the pros because I don't want this to come off as a negative episode against house flipping. Um, the pros are, guys, it's been around a long time. Mm -hmm. It's sustainable. If you're good at it, I know a lot of people making a lot of money flipping houses. Um, it's just something that's not going away. Competition is good. It shows that a market is sustainable and was flourishing at one point. Yep. So what competition is means it's a healthy market in general, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily a bad thing being overly competitive. Um, there are pros to it. It might be harder to get started, but those people who are still doing it, who have their ground, have their footprint, have their crews, have the inspectors, all their stuff lined up and have a really sustainable business are making good money. Yeah, and I think that's why we have more wholesalers come over here than house flippers, honestly, because the people that are successfully house flipping are killing it. Yeah. Honestly, like they, they are really killing it. There's a bigger barrier to entry. There's a, you need expertise, like you need a real expertise in fixing up houses and uh, predicting the construction costs, all these different costs of, associated with it. So we don't get like, we get house flippers coming over here, but the most successful ones like really, really do well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you can balance out a house flipping company and scale it, uh, it's going to be easy on yep. this side. Like it's just going to, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle house flipping with the competition contractors and labor issues and everything that you guys, if you've house flipped or done some sort of construction, you know, some of the challenges in that. Um, but those people, I mean, it's, it's, you can make good money from it for sure. But like you said, it's, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, we going to get into the other side of it, Dan, or talk about land. Um, let's get into the other side. Let's keep talking about house flipping here because I want to continue to yeah. touch base on it. Um, so we talked about some of the pros. It's been there for a while. Uh, and like another, I don't know if this is a pro or con. It's probably more of a con, but um, you do it where you, in your backyard a lot of yep. times. You can do it remote, but most people do it and they're on site. 
um, kind of easier to manage that way, I, I'd imagine, or more confidence in managing it than doing it remote potentially. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a pro or a con, but that is a difference because we've never been to any of our land. So I did want to point that out. But some of the other things I want to talk about is the complications and risks with house flipping in general, because you 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 never really know what you're getting into. Fully, um, yeah. They're fully because they're so like a house is competitive or not competitive that too, but a house is um, more complicated than a piece of land, right? Piece of land you can look at. Yeah, you can do a soil test, whatever you want, but it's very simple. Mm-hmm. When you start getting a house, there's multiple floors, there's plumbing, there's electric, there's, uh, you know, insulation, roofs, ventilation, all this different stuff you get mm-hmm. into and things can come up. There are yep. unknown risk. For sure. And I think that's part of the difficulty with it and why a lot of new people struggle with house flipping is one, it's harder to get money partners. Like you have, you need money partners. You need good money partners. You're paying interest every single month on whatever your money partner is, whatever that interest rate is. So like getting money partners, I think is a huge barrier to a lot of people getting started. I think there's a lot of barriers to really getting started and getting up and going. But um, yeah, like you said, like you really don't know if there's foundation issues when you're buying a house and with how competitive the market is, you need to offer cash closes and like 14 day closes. So you don't have a full inspection a lot of times. Yeah. And you know, one of the strategies that I like um, is actually you're buying the house kind of like house flipping, Yep. put work into it and then you rent it out. I like that strategy because then you don't need crush killer margins and you can have a long-term hold and there's more risk you can kind of associate with because you're going for a long-term gain play and you're going to rent it out. It covers more up. But that being said, house flipping in general is, is for cash flow, right? You're not doing anything when you're flipping yeah. a house besides getting more cash. Yep. You're, it's transactional short-term. real estate. Short-term transactional real estate is yep. what is considered, just like land flipping. So these are two land flipping and house flipping go and wholesaling go in the same bucket as transactional. Once you start getting into rental properties and all that, or buying, um, finishing up a little bit, redoing, doing all that, putting all the fixes in, and then you can refinance out and get cash back and kind of make it transactional, but you're taking equity out instead of selling it and getting your equity out completely because you're, you still take on risk when you're refinancing, obviously. The other thing you touched on, so you touched on loans, we touched on complications and risk. Um, let's talk about contractors because yeah. that's a big one. Yeah, I mean, you're the management of what you have to manage in terms of contractors, getting a good contractor, staying on timelines is a huge thing where you're trying to get this project done as fast as possible in the best way to keep that bank money every month, every day you are paying more interest. So being able to deal with the contractor, some people are really good at it. Some people struggle to work with contractors and that's why they can't make it in the business because they cannot manage the contractors have to manage you it's different than managing employees these guys you got to be tough on um it's it's much different style if you've been in the industry you know how it is but um it's tough especially if you don't give them a lot of business like that's why it's so important in a lot of these industries to give contractors full-time work so yeah, if you've been in the construction business, you know how dealing with some contractors are. I used to be in the building world and I'd go from job site to job site and the great house flippers and the great, uh, you know, just contractors that I knew all had full-time contractors under them because they give them enough work to mm-hmm. keep them busy for 40, 50, 60 hours a week. It's when you start to give them 10 hours or job here and yeah. there and they're filling that and other, they, then they give their priority elsewhere. Right. Because now they're putting it in different spots and buckets. But that's not really the point of this um, uh, episode discussing how house flipping (laughs) works. It's just kind of showing the pros and cons. But managing them is one of the main challenges is what I was trying to get at. And then along with that, Ron, the last point I really have is the permits and inspection. Mm -hmm. They can take long. The bigger the city you're in, 
not necessarily bigger the city you're in, but depending on the city, like permits can take six months sometimes. And if you get into a project, or you're trying to do an addition, you're trying to do something and you need to go through permitting, like it can be very, very, the time, time yeah. is so expensive in house flipping. That's the biggest thing. If you cannot predict how long the job's going to take, if you're just predicting like what's the resale value minus what's my purchase price m minus, I guess the uh, construction price as well. And you're not taking into account the uh, price of the money that you need to borrow. That, that's when you're going to lose, people lose money in house flipping. That's the thing. Like yeah. you, there's a lot more. Oh yeah. Well, you have a hard money. money loan too. So like you have a debt you have to pay back if you want hard money. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There's a lot with that. And I'm not that familiar with how inspection periods work or anything like that, but I do know it's a risk and I do know, um, there's a lot that has to happen and you got to make sure things are in order and you're getting inspected and approvals and all that stuff, final approvals, depending on your yep. ordinance and everything there. But that's another risk associated with it, especially if you go ground up, it can be permitting can be, even Oh, I'm more. sure. but ground up, there's more money in. Like if I were to do it, I'd probably go ground up, uh, just because we're so good at buying land. We just put our systems there, mm -hmm. acquire the land and then go ground up. Um, and kind of be on your own time schedule yep. and everything instead of, you know, rushing it already. Because that's the thing. There's not as much risk with ground. There is. It's different risk. But with ground up, you already know what you're building. So you're not opening up a whole new can of worms with how someone else built it and working with For that. sure. But it's different scales and different levels there. Let's get into land flipping. I know we're with house flipping uh, for the majority of this episode so far. I want to get into land flipping now. And land flipping is another thing that it's, it's been around for a while it's uh, not hasn't been around for as long as house flipping for sure. HDTV and all that boomed house flipping, but land flipping has been around for a while, even if you guys don't think it. But it's it's been around in a like land investing has been around in a while. Mm -hmm. Maybe not necessarily the way we're flipping it, but land investing is the category we're really talking about here. Um, but what we do, we buy land at forty five percent market value, put it on the market and sell it for ninety to one hundred percent. That's kind of our average numbers there, and we're doing it through blind offers and direct mail. And there are major, obviously, major differences between that. And house flipping, first being it's just vacant land. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the product's different. The what we're trying to flip is different. What we're trying to flip, like we've talked about a couple of times, there's less risk. It's easier to to identify all the issues before you buy a piece of land versus a house. Um, so doing this, like it, I, I think with the land, like I think one of the biggest pros with land is how scalable it is. Like you said. House flipping is much more difficult to do anywhere but your backyard because the management and if you're doing it somewhere else, like you need management there. And if you're doing it somewhere outside your city, you need management to be in person without a doubt. While land, there's what, 150 million vacant parcels in the country, whatever it is, yeah. 90 million vacant parcels it might be. I don't know uh, the number, but yeah, a lot. Like with land, you can do this anywhere. Like and I, there's less competition. Yeah. Well, like we'll talk about that. 90% of our due diligence can be on a computer. Yeah. 95% yeah. of our and due diligence. That being said, it is typically smaller purchases too, though. Without a doubt. Yeah. So if you, yeah, I mean, we're a house you might buy for 400,000, put $200,000 in and sell it for 800, something yeah. like that. Or like Jay, I know uh, flip, the flips guy, the, the big flipper I know, you buy it for 1.1, put 200 in and sell it for 1.8, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Good margins, without yeah. a doubt. And with land, our average margin can be buying for 20,000, selling for 45,000. While houses, you might buy, like you said, we might buy for 400,000, put a couple hundred in and sell for 800, 900,000. Yeah. The purchase price is a lot bigger. Obviously, a lending's different. Most of our land deals are done with cash. Like when we're buying a property, whether it's one of our students coming to us, like it's done with cash in, in terms of the purchase right. and it's not hard money lending. So I think the ability to, have that type of funding partnership, the ability to do deals wherever I think can make it very, very scalable. Yeah. And you can get hard money partners in land flipping. There's obviously different risks to it. But the beautiful thing about how we do land flipping is you're getting 
you're using a JV partner uh, who's putting up their risk essentially and providing the money for a profit split on the back end. So you're not risking any credit scores, which kind of led me to the next point, Ron. You're not risking, you know, you're, you don't need a loan. You don't need a hard money, anything where it's going to be collateralized against you. So if something happened, it all falls on the deal funder traditionally, mm-hmm. um, which is nice because you don't need to get loan. Loans are scary. Like you start talking about these loans when you're doing these big projects, it's a lot of debt you're taking out and a lot of risk. Yeah, for sure. They can get, I mean, it, it can get really expensive. Like you said, we have, there's a lot for anything, honestly. Like you can get JV partners probably with house flipping too. Like if you had the right partners, like there's always, there's always different ways to finance. Yeah, you gotta be creative. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think being creative with the way you finance, minimizing, not eliminating, but being smart with where you put risk, like how much risk. And I think a lot of people in house flipping in particular probably over leverage because they are expecting the top sale price that's the thing about house flipping too that we haven't talked about is the market can change in a good way or a bad way Mm, yeah exactly that's a good point uh the last three years mainly a good way yeah if you hold it long term yeah like in the u.s but yeah things do change like what what happened in this house you bought this house and they kind of got a little hurt huh yeah so the that's a good point actually i can talk about that so the people who i bought this house from were in a they had a hard money loan some sort of bridge loan i think it was and they bought the house put a little bit of work, not much, because it was already pretty finished. They put a little bit of work, I think put a new shower in, finished a couple of things up, um, fixed some things around, but they didn't do the backyard either. And the backyard had a pool and other things, so they left the backyard alone. Backyard was scrapped. I had to get a whole new pool, whole new everything. But they put on the market like around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. This was last year's Thanksgiving. And then um, they kept dropping the price. And I was like, they're dropping really fast, for especially for this time of year. Like, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, not much sales. Not many sales going on. Just a slower market in general, and people are out buying Christmas gifts, not house shopping as much. It's just the market drops drastically in in November, December, December especially. But so I came to look here, and I was like, started digging in for more information. And the other realtor hinted that they were needed to sell quick. Mm. So once we figured that out, that they had a loan and they needed to sell pretty quick, and times more of the essence than the money was is kind of what they hinted at. They're like, they want to close as quick as possible and all this stuff. And we kind of figured that out and we put a really low offer in. Um, and it dropped a few times and we put a really low offer. They said, no, we came back and we negotiated it down. But that was just an example of them being in uh, just very, very little wiggle room. You think they lost money? I could probably find out. Yeah. I don't know. I doubt they lost. It was tight though. It was tight. Yeah. Like, like they wouldn't go back and night. do it again. No. If, if everything came out. And that's where it can happen with houses really fast. And the market changed. Yeah. Like, they might have started this update. And uh, do you know when it, when they bought it? it? They did it quick. Market was hot, though, when they bought it. And, like, once you get in those winter August, months, August, yeah, yeah. things just don't move. Yeah. And you get overly excited, especially areas like this. Um, but uh, it's a common thing, I think. And that's one of the most nerve-wracking things, especially with newer people getting house flipping. You can yeah. lose your shirt and on And the it. other point, like, they didn't have enough money to fix the pool. Um, I don't know if they That's were planning crazy. on it or not, yeah. but, but the pool was, there was water in it. It wasn't empty. There was water. It didn't look that bad. There's just a little like fiberglass flaking off the sides and yeah. some other things. Like it was kind of doable. Um, so I, I don't know if they thought, cause it was full and had chlorine and moving when I did it and it was clear water and stuff. Uh, but it's not nice. It's just not nice. And they didn't do the pool. Like it was really outdated. Like it needed work. You, mm-hmm. you get, you get in it, you're getting out itchy because the fiberglass was peeling off. <laughs> So I don't know if that was in their budget or not, but that's mm. a good point too. Um, but that's why one of the reasons why it was scaring buyers because they looked at that pool. They're like, wow, we need to put in all this work. We're going to move in and need to put in 20 grand right away. So coming back to land, as far as that, like the thing with land is 
if I buy a property today in land, I'm putting it on the market tomorrow. Unless we do some small subdivide, something like that, it's a short-term thing where we are going to be looking for buyers immediately. So we understand the market. We are not going to buy wrong 99% of the time because we know what the exact market is when we're listing. We don't have to predict what the market is going to be six months from now. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that is one of the things that make it very difficult to lose money in land, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest challenge with land is it's, it is hard to evaluate, which is kind of a con. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really good at it, I'd like to think. But in terms of evaluating what something's going to sell out, like that's what we do. Um, that's what we've done for a long time. So we have experience doing it and feel good about it. But if you're just coming off the streets, like that's one of the hardest things to do in this business is analyze and evaluate vacant rural land. Um, that is a challenge yeah. because there's not a lot of comps. So that's kind of a con in that sense. But at the same time, once you get good, you can feel very confident in it and be within 5%, 10%. Um, be very, very close to that that number you're expecting to sell for. And when you're buying it at 40 to 50%, it's just all, you have a lot of wiggle room to work with, essentially. Yeah. I mean, whenever I'm looking and evaluating opportunities for business, anything like that, like I always kind of look at barrier to entry and land actually does have a pretty low barrier to entry the barrier is education honestly there are some financials but compared to some other industries like land is a relatively low barrier to entry that could be flooded with people mm-hmm. um i'm not saying it will or won't uh but i'm just saying it could potentially be flooded i, I do you think experienced house flippers like the big ones you're talking about like do you think they care about competition the hardest part for them is getting the deal because they have people who not necessarily are willing to lose money, but people don't realize the issues with some of the properties that they're getting. Yeah. So you have these low-level flippers who will end up losing money. So these higher-level flippers are fighting for deals with these people that not are willing to lose money, but they just are going to lose money expect unexpectedly. Yeah, but at the same time, I think the good-level flippers uh, are... Know how to get deals. The, yes, they're getting deals because the people around them know them. The wholesalers know them. Uh, there's just people out there attacking deals for them, realtors, investors in the market. Like those people dominate the markets. They get deals. I remember who was, I can't remember who exactly I was talking about, but he, he had a real estate business, I think in Cleveland. And he like had such a surplus of good deals coming to him all the time. Like he didn't, he didn't need deals. His, his issues, but that's top, top too. But his issues and his scaling was always the operations, the contractors, the crews, like that was his challenge. But he had system. Most people's challenge is getting the deal when you're there. But when you have people hunting, you have good systems um, and you just have people hunting deals for you. Because when you get to that level, you do because they know you're a buyer. Yep. They're like, he's the real deal. I can find him any deal. He'll buy 20 of my deals uh, you know, a year if I find him. He'll buy 50 of my deals a year if I get him good under market value and this zip code, these yep. zip codes. You know what I mean? Kind of like what Eli was saying on the podcast today with their builders. Like they'll buy 40 of them from him a month if they're a good builder. Kind of same philosophy. Yeah. So it's the wholesalers that are feeding them the deals. Wholesalers, yeah. investors, local hunters, like whatever it is. And wholesalers don't make money unless the deal closes. So they want legitimate people who are going to close the deal. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So kind of wrapping it all up, Dan, like what are your take on the two? Like house flipping is definitely for some people. Like it's without a doubt for some people. There's some people doing great. Uh, uh, if you don't have any experience in real estate, though, house flipping seems unless you're buying a property like with cash or the bank loan or like you're living in it and fixing it up. Like, I think that's where a beginner person can learn that for me and like to lower your risk, like don't go and find a house on the market to try to flip. I think like buying a house for yourself and maybe flipping it and try to do it like that, where you do have time on your side, you can live there. Um, and it's not like you have a hard money person at 12, 13. Yeah. You don't want to over leverage this, especially at first. Like if you don't, aren't in the industry, it's a, I'm not saying you can't do it. Like, of course, go for it. If that's what you really want to do a hundred percent, go for it. 
Um, but there are risks with it and you just got to be careful. It's one of those things like I think it's a very, very, very high business to entry. Like you said, barrier to entry, high business high barrier, barrier yeah. to entry. Yeah. I think it's on the upper side of to that. To be successful sure. without a deal, uh, without a doubt. Like you're, you got loans, contractors, building materials you need, uh, just so many different time parts. Is so time is so... And, and time's working against you. And the permits, there's just so many different moving parts and pieces. It's definitely a high barrier, which means if you do make it though, a lot of times uh, good things can happen on the other side. Yeah, like we talked to Panadi on here. Like he did 500 house flips uh, and he's still doing that. Um, like the top guys kill it. Like they do really, really well, but they have their operations so in sync and it is a legitimate business yeah. when they have that up and running. But there is a high barrier to entry. Anything else? I think we're good to go, guys. As always, thank you for joining. Please like and subscribe our YouTube channel. It really helps drive our mission forward. Thank you for joining. We'll see you next episode. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for joining. If you guys have not, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It really helps our business grow, and we really, really appreciate it. But other than that, guys, thank you for joining, and we'll see you next episode. Thanks, guys.